Our second reading is Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. This too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, since next Sunday is Palm Sunday, this is the last regular Sunday of Lent, and so let me be the first person to wish you happy fifth Sunday of Lent. Plainly, it is not actually a big deal because I'm not the only one who has absolutely no recollection of last year's fifth Sunday of Lent or the year before that. The fifth Sunday of Lent is pretty much just a day, but it is our present day which means it is the only day from which we can, right now, look both back to the past and forward to the future. Today, we stand in the present with a view in each direction, and both of today's texts were written from that vantage point, looking back and looking forward. And so we'll spend a few minutes exploring that and I hope engaging in our own exercise of that variety. In the passage from Isaiah that, Aunt, that Emma read for us, the prophet uses a classic biblical formula, thus says the Lord, to convey that it is no less than God who will be addressing us. But before we can hear the Lord's message, the prophet reminds us of who this God is. Now that move is also a biblical classic. Throughout the Bible, prophets are always reminding people that this is the God of the Exodus, the God who made a way where there had been no way. For the Jews, and thence for the Christians, this is the foundational story, the thing that must not be forgotten because it's so formative. It's a cultural touchstone of the past from which God's people derive their identity in the present and upon which they base their hope for the future. And it goes like this. Never forget that you are the people of the God who made a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. Because knowing that tells you who you are, and more importantly, whose you are. And that then points where you're going, as well as how you'll get there and with whom you'll arrive. It's a big deal. Now, once Isaiah has th thus again underscored this crucial cultural memory, only then does the prophet tell us what it is that the Lord thus says. And that is anything but classic. It is a total break from tradition. Thus says the Lord, do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. Nowhere else in all of Scripture does a prophet tell us to forget what God has done for us on our behalf. 
But here, God grabs our attention and points it in a fresh direction, saying, I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? God is moving on and urging us to keep up. And so God tells us where God is going next. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So the God who once made a way in the sea will now make a way on land, converting those life-threatening mighty waters of the sea into life-giving waters in the desert. So yes, it is certainly a new thing, but it is linked to what God has done before. It is exhibit B of God making a way. Our future with God will be different from our past with God, and yet God remains the same way-making God. Meanwhile, in today's other passage, the psalmist is highlighting another foundational story of our faith, the saga of the exile. From the destruction of Jerusalem through the dividing of the people, some of them hauled off to Babylon while others were abandoned in the ruined land to the long, longed-for return from exile. The psalmist looks back at all of that and sings, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, Zion is another word for Jerusalem, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. That's worth noting that this word does not connote a drowsy, hazy kind of dreaminess. Now, this is the same Hebrew word used for the powerful dreams, like Joseph's dream in the book of Genesis. It's also how the book of Joel speaks of God's promise. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old shall dream dreams, and your young shall see visions. This kind of dreaming is God-blessed dreaming. And I dare say this is the sort of dreaming that Dr. King, whose assassination we again marked and mourned this past week, the sort of dreaming he was engaged in when he said, I have a dream. He spoke words we still need to hear. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men were created equal. And then, after that quote from the Declaration of Independence, he quoted the prophet Isaiah. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and valley shall be made low. The rough places will be plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. Do you hear how Dr. King's dream for our future is grounded in memory of our past? When he declared, I have a dream today, he was looking back to the foundation of this nation and looking far, far further back to the foundation of the Judeo-Christian faith, all in an effort to pull us into a dream state that helps us perceive the new thing that God is doing. Well, how good are we at doing that? When Morningside Presbyterian looks back, we see the foundation of this congregation 
It's charter members mortgaging their homes to establish this church. We remember establishing our preschool and launching each of our mission partnerships. We remember recognizing our call to be a church home for the LGBTQ community. And we remember starting a Sunday school program for all ages. We remember times of obvious abundance and of seeming scarcity. In other words, we remember God making a way again and again. And I'll bet you can anticipate where I'm headed. God does not deny us those memories, but God does urge us to focus on whatever new thing is springing forth. And on this day of looking back and looking forward, let me say how hopeful I am about that because this congregation is proving to be both beautifully grounded and beautifully flexible as we journey together through this interim time, this time of transition that is specifically designed to help keep us limber and open, honing our attentiveness to God so that we will indeed perceive the new thing that God is doing within our congregation. And what about each of us as individuals? In your own life here on this fifth Sunday of Lent, can you look back and remember when God has made a way for you? When you've perceived God's new thing? Along with passages like those that we heard today, which talk about the people as a whole, Scripture also tells of individuals whose focus turned from their past to God's future. In the Gospels, I think of Mary turning from obscurity to mystery. I think of fishermen abandoning their nets so that they could follow the one with whom they would become fishers of people. I think of Lazarus called from death to new life. And there are other such dramatic tales, but many of us may better recognize how David Brooks, conservative columnist for the New York Times, recently described his particular faith journey. He said, it's like you're sitting on a train and you're talking to everybody around you and everything seems to be stable and normal, but you look out the window and you realize you've traveled a long way. And so you realize you must have crossed some frontier at some point. While we are sometimes blessed to perceive God's new thing while its petals are still in the process of unfurling, often we, like David Brooks, notice the change only after it has occurred. And regardless of when we perceive it, God's new thing will occur, and we are called to be on the lookout for it. And the less encumbered we are by clinging to the past, getting hung up on how things used to be, the better able we will be to notice and to respond. And I think that's what the blogger Steve Garnis Holmes is getting at when he wrote this. Instead of waking up and thinking, now, what have I got to do today? Try this. I wonder, what is God doing today? Don't dwell on your obligations, what you have to do, what you can't do. Never mind all these restrictions. Instead, start by wondering, being open. Focus on God's presence. Be open to what God is already doing, hidden and easily mistaken for nothing at all. 
be open to how God might use you in whatever God is doing. All of which makes me want to quickly revisit today's psalm. Twice the psalmist speaks of restoring, which suggests returning to how things were, looking to the past and getting stuck there. But the psalm's final image is this. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. That's not simple restoration. That's transformation. Weeping transformed into joy. Seeds yet to be sown transformed into already harvested sheaves. And we're a part of it, a part of the new thing God is doing. I cannot tell you what it is, but I know that the nourishment received at the Lord's table prepares us for it. Yes, on this fifth Sunday of Lent, we celebrate communion with its distinctive call to look to both past and future. Our liturgy has us look back as it tells us yet another foundational story of our faith. On the night when he was betrayed, Jesus took and blessed and broke and gave, and he said, do this in remembrance of me. But then our liturgy also urges us to look forward. Every time we eat the bread and drink the cup, we, and this part blows my mind every time, we are proclaiming the saving life and death of the risen Lord until he comes again, until the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. Like those who dream, we are called to look back, to look forward, and to be on the lookout for the new thing God is doing. Amen.